one and we are recording with the one and only mr mike vecchione who's been on here god knows how many times i'd say it once a month or at least two years now so probably coming up on like 25 30 episodes it's... for all future listeners tuesday september 13th 2022 3 or 7 p.m eastern time you are episode 909 and uh so we're cruising through them but uh so for all the new listeners because now that we're not on youtube we actually do have new listeners and i can i can say that earnestly instead of as some weird tick but for all the new listeners thank you sir mike introduce yourself to everybody who hasn't listened well, to an episode of as before. tom said my name is mike vecchione and um i am um i am a the retired chief of the rackets division in the brooklyn da's office um been a lawyer for more years than i can count spent about 30 of those years um at the brooklyn district attorney's office um the head of various parts of the office and but the last 13 years was um was my my time in the rackets division and um before that, I was in charge of the Homicide Bureau as well. And, uh, and the stories that I'm about to tell you about and the, and the subject matter of, of my latest book um, was a guy that I met when I was chief of the Homicide. I, I wasn't even chief. I was just the senior trial assistant um, back when I, was a, um, when I was kind of a newbie at the DA's office. Um, things moved very rapidly, and I moved up the, the food chain pretty quickly in the Homicide Bureau back in the – God – in the late 1970s, uh, it seems like ancient times talking about that now. Yeah. But um, and by the time this um, uh, this individual was brought into the office by the by uh, two New York City detectives, um, I was one. I was the senior trial assistant, and the boss who was in charge of the bureau at that time said, "Hey, he's yours." And uh, I'll explain to you what that meant in in, in a minute. Um, so I first met. Luigi Roncesvalli, that's the name and um, the subject name. of the subject of the of my new book and my latest book, which will be out now. I got the date, October 17th. Um, I'll make a note of that right now. Yeah. And it's um, it's it's available for pre-order on Amazon, um, on Apple Books. Um, there's several other places that you can get it. Um, <clears throat> I don't have the information yet about the audio book, but it is an audio book as well. When I get that information, I'll pass it along to you, Tom, and you can oh, yeah. let your your listeners and and viewers um, know about that. So, um, absolutely, name of the book is "Homicide Is My Business," and it comes from a quote from the subject of the book, Luigi Roncesvalli, when he testified in front of um, President Reagan's Commission on Organized Crime back in the uh, in the nineteen eighties. Um, he was asked um, he was asked by a by one of the senators about what he did for a living. And, um, and his answer essentially was Senator homicide is my business. And um, it's what he was. He was a hitman for the Sicilian mafia. Never got to the point where he became a made man in Sicily, which frustrated him a great deal. Um, and he was given advice by his, um, his Don in Sicily to come to America. Uh, come to Brooklyn. And, and this now is in the mid to late 1960s. And at the time, the Bonanno family, one of the five mafia families in New York City, was um, were the, the leaders in a drug, in the drug sales and the drug um, business in New York. And um, and even though people might be saying to themselves, well, you know, the mafia doesn't do drug business. You know, I watch The Godfather and I know that they don't do that. And it's total bullshit. The, the mob is in and has been into the drug business for as long as uh, they've been around. Of course. And, um, but they pretend to, uh, you know, to not be in it. And um, the Bonanno family at that time um, was not pretending. They went whole hog in, in getting into the business and, um, and established a connection with um, with a mafia mafia in Sicily, and um, and what they and and with uh, and the mafia in Sicily at that time was importing drugs from um, uh, from the Middle East into Marseille, France, where it was being being processed, and then it was being sent into America, and it became that that pipeline became the subject of a a really 
famous and terrific movie called the French connection. And, um, and it, uh, and the, um, it, and that was basically because of the Bonanno family setting up a, this, this high level um, uh, alliance with the Sicilian, uh, with the Sicilian mafia and, um, and what the Bonanno's needed because according to mafia, you know, law, so to speak, you're not supposed to sell drugs unless we, of course, you keep it under the table and don't know it. But the reason that the other mafia families became jealous at the Bananos was not necessarily because they were doing something wrong. I shouldn't say jealous, became angry with the Bananos, not because they were doing something wrong. They were angry because they weren't being able to, uh, they didn't partake in this, in the, the spoils, so to speak, in the money and the profits. The Bananos knew it would create a, create a problem so they recruited and were recruiting young sicilian guys to come over to brooklyn to act as strong arm men and protectors to protect the be involved in the business protect the you know the the shipments and uh, protect the 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 dealers etc and um and it was well known in sicily that there was there were openings for guys in brooklyn and when luigi didn't become a made man in Sicily and was given advice by his Don to go to Brooklyn because they're looking for people. And in America, you know, you could get to become a made man very quickly. He up and root, uprooted his family, his uh, wife, and I guess three daughters at that time may have been two. He may have had one here, but his wife and daughters and moved, uh, moved to Brooklyn um, mm. and became a, uh, and tried to, and then went into trying to become accepted um in the american mafia he was and and the I, I just want to finish this and i'll get to your question the subtitle of the book is is luigi the zip a hitman's quest for honor and that term zip was a derogatory term for sicilian mob guys like him that was put on them by americans and by the american mafia there are many many different um, I guess opinions as to what the title or what that name came from or where that name came from. Some say because the mafia guys spoke very quickly, you know, they zipped with their threes. Others because they they were using back then what they called zip guns, which were almost like ghost guns. Now yeah. you know they put the things together, and um, but it was a derogatory term, and um, and that's where we got the um, we got the name. And Luigi came to America to try to make his make his bones, so to speak, and become a made guy. And it didn't work out for him um, uh, right away. So um, to to kind of to what you said about, you know, uh, I've seen The Godfather, they don't deal drugs. It makes me think of like going to school in Southern Georgia or college in Southern Georgia and every fraternity, including the one I'm in. It's like, hey, you're not just like a party animal. You're a gentleman. And every sorority girl is like, we're classy. And I'm it takes you about one weekend of college to see that that's, that's all just a PR snow job. You're like, you're like, dude, I, I saw Mr. Class. I saw Mr. Gentleman and Miss Classy, you know, fucking and doing Coke on a laundry machine. I'm like, no, you're not. And is it so to pivot from there? Cause one, like, I guess rationally, of course you'd be in the drug trade. You're not leaving money on the table. That being said, this is my own naivety. You look at something like a, like a cartel Right or a you know a, a terrorist organization who is really no holds barred. It's human trafficking. It's child pimping. It's they'll do anything, and it's money on the table. Is there any truth to the idea of like I know the whole you know honor and you know don't be a rat. I get that. Is there any truth to like they don't I don't know they don't do like human trafficking or they is there a line on anything or is it all just do they just have a better PR team than like cartels? The mafia you're talking about, the Italian yeah, mafia. Yeah. Let's just put it this way: they they have a, you hit it right on the head. They have a better PR team than the cartel does. There's nothing that the mafia would not be into as long. And and the most important thing, and I, I you know I used to teach a class in organized crime at St. John's University here in in New York, and um, and I I always began the course by telling my students that the only thing that was important to the mafia and I would hold up my hands and go like this. Yeah. It's money. Yeah. That's it. That's it. If you make money 
A, you're a hero. If you cost them money, you probably become a dead man. So if you are what they call a good earner, then you're, you're in like Flint. Um, and, um, but Luigi was not um, the kind of guy who was an earner. So he had to, um, he had to kind of, he developed a different skill and his skill was, um, was he was a hitman. He became a hitman in Sicily and was very successful. And this is a guy who had really no, um, he had, he had nothing when he was in Sicily, nothing. All he had was his desire to become a made man. And another quote from, from his testimony in front of Congress is that he said to the congressman, uh, to, I'm sorry, to the senators, Senator, in America, a boy grows up wanting to be a base to play baseball. In Sicily, a boy grows up wanting to be mafia. Mm. And that's, that's his thing. And when he felt frustrated because he wasn't being, you know, he was trying to get in with the local mafia in, in a province a city called Catania, which is away from the capital. The capital city is Palermo on the north end of the island. Catania is down around Mount Etna and is near closer to Italy. <clears throat> it's not the center of the mafia in Sicily. That's Palermo. So he had he had to work extra hard to become to get to, you know, to get the attention of the of the guy who was in charge of the Catania mafia. And he made basically made a pest of himself. The guy, the, 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 the Don, um, his name was Rapisardi in, in Sicily, um, owned a, a coffee shop. And, and Luigi would just simply hang around, would just hang around and would try to do anything that could get the attention of someone who would introduce him to Rapisardi. And it, and it worked out. He did get, he did get um, introduced. And Rapisardi gave him small jobs, which is the way that it usually works. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, until Rapisardi, you know, felt comfortable with this guy and gave him a very special job for him. There was a, and we're now back to the money. There was a guy in who lived in Milan who owed Rapisardi a lot of money, and um, he wasn't paying. So you know that's no good for business because if you're Lending money, if you're a loan shark, if you, you know, are, are, are the kind of, you're the guy that, that the townspeople and everyone depends on for, you know, for, your, for their banking, so to speak, but they start stiffing you, well, then, you know, you become, you lose face and, and that's not good for business. So this guy didn't pay him, didn't pay Rapisardi. So he sent, he told Luigi, I got a job for you. Now, keep in mind, Luigi had never done anything like this before. He showed initiative in other kinds of things, like collecting debts and things like that. Um, while he was working, by the way, on the railroad in Sicily, that was one of the jobs that he had, Luigi. So um, he sent them to, to Milan to kill this guy. And, um, and he tells, and we tell the story in the book, about how he set this whole thing up, what he did, how he had to, you know, to kind of scope the guy out and surveil him for a period of time and, and then finally pick the right moment and, um, and, then, and then killed him and killed this guy. And, it, and, it, and, and he had to go, keep in mind now, Catania is in on the eastern side of Sicily between uh, uh, close to where, to Italy. And to get to, to the mainland, you have to take a ferry. Once you take the ferry, then to get from down around Naples, where this ferry landed, you have to get up to Milan, which is in the north part of the country. So you have to take the train. Then he had to get off the train. He had to find a place to kind of stay unobtrusively for a few days while he surveilled this guy and figured out what he was, how he, how he moved and how he, when he went to work and what he did after work and things like that. Um, and when he killed him, uh, he, he didn't do it in like the dead of night. He did it, you know, during the day, killed him. And now he had to get out. So he had to now get to the train, get the train back down all the way down the peninsula to, um, you know, to, to Naples, then get the ferry and get the ferry back to Sicily. 
for a guy who had never done this before, it was nerve wracking. But the next day, it had the murder was all over the Italian newspapers. And Luigi was now a hero to Rapisardi. Look at what I did for you. And look at, and Rapisardi now was, you know, was, was very, very happy and gave him now other, other hits to do in Italy. Did one in Rome. I don't know if you've ever been to Rome, but one of the centers, one of the big tourist areas in Rome is called the Trevi Fountain. And, um, and there's always tourists around it. And, um, and one of the hits that he did for Rapisardi was near the Trevi Fountain. And um, once again, it's getting out of Rome, getting onto the train to get to the, to the, to the ferry and then back to, to Sicily. So he did several. He did several in Sicily. Probably did about seven or eight homicides for him. And one day he says, he said, he, he told me that, he said, you know, I, I, I'm still struggling. He said, you know, Mr. Signor Episardi paid me money, but I'm still struggling. I'm working on the railroad. He had a problem with one of the guys, on, one of the people on the railroad. And, and, and I'll tell you this about him. He was a very proud guy, very proud. And he was the kind of guy who took, um, who took, who did not take insults, even if they were kind of joking insults very well. And this guy who worked with him on the train, on the railroad, did something to him or said something to him. I just don't remember. And, um, and Luigi planned it. His plan was to save face and to, to, to get back at, at what this guy had taken from him in his mind, which was, you know, his, his pride was wounded and he killed him. He Jesus. killed him. So he went to, um, he went to Rapisardi and he said, listen, you know, I've been doing all of this work for you. I'm successful. I do the Milan. I go to Rome. I do it here in, in, in Sicily, you know, and, um, and, and yet I, I don't become, you know, a made man. Rapisardi said basically to him, as I guess, as kindly as a mafia don would be, it ain't going to happen here. Now, I think I mentioned this to you last time we spoke about him. <coughs> I believe that part of his, part of the problem with them not making him was the way that he looked. He was a, um, when I saw him for the first time, he was in handcuffs, of course. He, I was told he was this big mafia hitman who was coming now into the DA's office to become an informant. And he walked into my office. I couldn't believe it. Tom, I couldn't believe it. The guy was like five foot five, five foot six at the most. He, he had this big round belly, you know, and his slick back hair. He, he looked like, as I said in the book, I said, he looked like a bowling ball, a human bowling ball to me. That's how he was. He, how, how he round was. And if I had been down at my desk and writing and no one had told me someone was coming in and I looked up, I would have said to the guy, oh, you're looking for the garbage can? It's right there. You can you know, take the yeah. garbage. But the guy was a guy was a was a so he had done seven, six, at least six or seven hits in Sicily. And no, he didn't. He wasn't going anywhere. So Rapisardi knew about the banana connection in Brooklyn and told him, go to Brooklyn. Use my name. And. Um, and he he did. He came to Brooklyn. But again, as I mentioned before, this guy was a zip. He was not necessarily accepted by the American mafia. But the ironic part about this is all of these guys who were, quote unquote, the American mafia, all were imports from Italy or Sicily. They had just been here longer, you know. So well, now this new guy's coming coming in and he's supposed to be, you know, he wants to, to make his bones. Um, nobody would give him the time of day. So he finds out where the head man uh, in, or one of the head men in, in Sicily, in, the, in uh, Brooklyn, in the Knickerbocker Avenue was their centerpiece, which is in the Greenpoint section of Brooklyn. And it was a social club, of course. Yeah. Uh, restaurant kind of social club, bar, you know, that kind super of Super high tier. That's like super upper class, right? Or it was. What's that? Know. It wasn't the Knickerbocker Club, but it wasn't like a rock. No, 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 not Knickerbocker Club. The Knickerbocker uh, Avenue was where the club was. There gotcha. might be a very high end Knickerbocker so, I Club. I think it was made by like 
Carnegie or Vanderbilt or something. There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a upper crust, super upper crust club that one of them made after they were kicked out of, I think the, the metro, the metropolitan, the metropolitan. There was like yeah, a metropolitan huge, club. Is it yeah, like a hundred years ago? They were yeah, just, I've been know. there. I, in fact, I just passed it the other day. I was driving around in Manhattan. If Luigi had walked into the metropolitan club, you would have kicked him out. A thousand guys would have said to him, Hey, look, the kitchen is over there. Yeah. You, know, you got to take the, yeah, so, get the so fuck no, out of here. This was a, this was a social club, bar, little restaurant kind gotcha. of thing. And, and he walks in and he kind of cold and, um, and he sees a guy sitting off by himself at a table. And he tells me that as soon as I saw him, Mike, he said, I know that's the man. Why? He was dressed to the nines in this beautiful suit, according to him. He always talked about shoes. Shoes were very important. The shoes were, were preem, you know, were prime, were just everything right about it. And um, he said, so, one day I get up the courage and I go up to his table and um, I say, I introduce myself and I say, Senor Rapisardi from Sicily sent me uh, to see you and told me to use his name. The guy looked up at him and basically had the same thought, I guess, that I did, you know, when I first saw him. Hey, the garbage is over there. Get away from me. Sure. The, the game, no, no, didn't even pay attention to him. Took him a while until he finally, he finally got through to the guy and he told him that he would, he bought him a drink actually is what he did. He bought him a drink. He saw what he was drinking and he sat down, he got a bottle and he put it on the table and they, they had a drink and Rapisati became his quote unquote godfather in, in, in the Bonanno family and, and got him in, indoctrinated the same way that the, the um, not Rapisati, I'm sorry, the guy in, in, in New York, the same way Rapisardi did in Sicily. He would give them small jobs to do. And um, and most of them were, you know, the kind of things like strong arm stuff, collecting debt, et cetera, like, et cetera. And then he meets the boss of the, of the Bonanno family in, um, in, in, uh, on Knickerbocker Avenue, the guy who ran the whole avenue. And he ran several unlicensed casinos and was a loan shark and everything. And, um, and he did some work for him. He did some work for him. He did mostly collection work, going around to 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 guys who wouldn't pay. And believe me, if you if Luigi came up to you and and basically said to you, you know, listen, you pay or else, given his his demeanor, you're gonna pay. Yeah. So he was very successful. But he wasn't getting where he wanted to be. You know, he wasn't getting where he wanted to be. And um, and he, <laughs> he, he caught a break one time. And I think I mentioned this to you last time. And I'll just repeat it very quickly because I want to get on to another one of the hits that he did. He, um, there was a guy who was a, he was, who was, he, the, 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 the banana guy in Brooklyn ran a, when ran an illegal casino. And one of his dealers called in sick one night and they needed somebody to deal cards. Luigi was a big gambler. In fact, that was one of his downfalls. He spent a lot of his money that he made. He gambled away. He was a bad gambler, but he was a big one and a bad one, but he knew cards and he knew how to spot. uh, He knew how to spot cheats and stuff like that. And the first thing, but, and this, I'm sorry, I got to go back. This is the first thing that this, this boss (coughs) sent him to do. He told him that, he was the boss that they were losing money somehow in the casino, which was unheard of. He felt that somebody was, you know, was either pocketing the money to dealer or somebody was doing some kind of a scam cost the money. So he, he said to Luigi, you think you could help me with this? You, you're very smart with the gambling. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, gets dressed up and goes to the casino that night, which is basically on the floor above one of the floors where he first met these guys downstairs in a social club. He starts watching and he, he immediately finds out who it was, who was cheating two brothers. And, um, he, they took a break. They went to the bar and he went over to them and he, um, he had this little conversation with him. 
And they started to give him, you know, like, who the fuck are you? Get away from us. Until he said the magic words about what would happen if they didn't get out of there and pay back the money. And then they finally left. From that point on, they weren't losing any money in the casino anymore. So this impressed the boss. Yeah. And when the dealer called in sick, Luigi said, I, I'll, I can do it. And while he was dealing that night, he overheard these guys at the table. All of them were kind of made, all of them were made guys. One of them was actually a capo in the family talking about one of their own who had been pimping out the widow, the oh, young yeah. widow of one of their guys. And, um, and they wanted him dead, but they didn't want to do it because he was a friend of theirs. And Luigi said he would do it. And, and he did. And he did it successfully. And even though he killed one of their own, but sanctioned by the bosses, um, he came back after that and was now a hero because the family of the, of the young woman was very happy. The people around him, you know, who were around her and family members and friends were all very happy. This guy had been pimping her out. So, um, so that was kind of, that was the, the kind of the icebreaker for him. And, um, and f at that point, the boss in, at the, in, on, on Knickerbocker Avenue, um, he now realized that Luigi was someone who could actually make money for him in addition to, you know, his skills with the gun and skills with the gambling. And he hooks him up with another member of the family. And um, he tells the other member of the family, listen, this is Luigi. Introduce him, take him around, show him, you know, what's going on. He's a good man. He uh, he's a smart man. We, you know, we want to, we want to make him successful, etc. But the guy was jealous of Luigi because he could see that Luigi was beginning to, to, you know, his star was starting to rise. So things went okay. Uh, at the beginning, they did some, they did some minor stuff, minor stuff. And then one day, this other guy says to him, listen, we're going to go rob a, uh, we're going to go to a drugstore in another part of Brooklyn and rob this guy because he owes a lot of money to, um, to the bosses here at Knickerbocker Avenue. You come with me. He says, fine. So he drives to the outside the, the drugstore. He hands his gun to Luigi and he says, okay, the guy is in there. He's behind the counter. You go in and get the money. And you got to rob him because he's not paying if we don't, don't rob him. So Luigi gets the gun, walks into the store, says why he's there. <laughs> and the druggist reaches under the counter and takes out a handgun and starts shooting at Luigi, point blank. And he scrambles out of the place, thinking that the guy who brought him there is going to be in the car and they can get out of the neighborhood. The guy was gone. He left him. Left him high and dry. He left him. He set him up. He set him up. He knew, A, and we find this out later, A, that the druggist had a gun. The story about the uh, owing, owning, owing money to the bosses on Nickabaca was bullshit. And, um, and, you know, he figured this is the way I get rid of this pain in my ass, this guy, Luigi. Well, it didn't work out. Luigi escapes. And he says to me, he says to me, Mike, it's a good thing that the druggist was a bad shot. He said, cause I know be here right now. If he was <laughs> not it. So he, um, he went, makes his way back to the social club on Knickerbocker Avenue. And he's now steaming. And he's looking for the guy who left them because he wants to kill him. Remember, I told you about his pride. This was this is really a bad thing for him. And um, and and his his guy in, in New York, in Brooklyn, tells him, OK, you come tonight to, to the social club. We'll we'll squash that. We'll fix this whole thing. So he goes that night, had a gun, of course, expecting to be able to to kill this guy. And he went in and um, the bosses were there and he gave, told them what happened, told them what he wanted to do. And they said to him, no, 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 you're not, that's not going to happen. And then he looks around and the guy comes walking into the social club, the guy who left him. And he leans over and he hands him a bunch of money. It was his share of, um, 
of the uh, hands of a bunch of money. It was it represented the amount of money that Luigi thought was going to be his share from the robbery of the drugstore to squash the whole thing. And um, he was still seething, seething. He still wanted to kill him, but he was told no. The higher up squashed it. In fact, we're going to make you even more part. You're going to work with him even more. And as it turns out, Tom, they became a pretty successful duo. That's a one of the things, hilarious buddy. One of the things, yeah, listen to what, what they were into. One of the big things in Brooklyn was to import, as I mentioned before, the zips from Sicily. Well, how did they get into the country? It's not like now where they can go down to Mexico and walk across the border yeah. and get make their way to New York. So they got to figure out a way in. So what they were doing was they were getting these guys to Canada. And while they were waiting, when they, when they knew, the Brooklyn people knew when these guys were arriving in Canada, Luigi and his partner were then given the task of taking these very, very, very uh, uh, sophisticated um, uh, forged passports up to Canada. They were able to get across the border because they had their own legitimate passports. They would meet the zips, give them out, give out all of these now fake, illegitimate passports. And now all the zips could come into the country across the border into Canada. That's what they were doing. They made, he said they made lots of trips up there to do that. This is so that they could, they could build up their army. The Bananos could build up their army. And that was, it was really a very, um, a very, very successful way of getting these, these Sicilian uh, mobsters into, uh, into the United States and then ultimately into Brooklyn. One of the other things he told me is that, of course, they were, their main job was to still collect money for the guys that owed money to the bosses in Knickerbocker Avenue. So he, he says, his partner says to him one day, come with me, we're going, uh, we're going upstate. Luigi, of course, has no idea what upstate means, north of New York City, of course. And he goes to a town, and I forgot the name of the town. Um, and he, he said, um, Luigi says to him, well, what are we doing here? He says, uh, we're going to see, we're going to uh, collect money from the, the pizzeria owner in this small town who owes money to our people. So they get, they wait for nightfall, drive up upstate. The town is very small, very quiet. And the store is, is closed. It's closed for the night. So they're able to get into the store. They break in. <coughs> and he says, I don't see, you know, what this guy does, except I see him playing around near the oven. And, and I see him take apart a couple of, uh, a couple of wires. I, I, I don't, this is Luigi talking. So he spoke in this real broken English. I, I don't know what he'd do. So he said, come on, let's go. Get back in the car. They drove now several blocks away from the store, but they had it, they had it in their sights. They could still see the store. And I said, so what happened? He said, he get on the phone. He have a, he, he, he go out to it. I shouldn't say get on the phone because there was, this was the 1960s. There were no cell phones. He goes out to a phone booth and he, he says, I gets out of the car, goes to a phone booth and he makes a call. And it takes so long. He's back in the car and sits there. So I say to him, what are we doing? He says, wait, watch. Soon at about a second or two later, Boom, the whole store explodes. What happened was they had, he had disconnected the gas wire, the natural gas wire to the oven. And the phone call, at that time, phones were not as sophisticated as they are now. There was a, enough of a spark that would come out of the phone when the phone rang in the really? mechanism to ignite the gasoline, the, ga- the gas fumes. Yeah. Holy so the whole shit. store, whole store went up get back in the car. And I say, and he tells me, I said, well, did you ask him how he did it? He said, yeah, just like I told you, you take the gasoline, the gas is all over the store. That's why we wait. The fumes and are then he made up. the phone call. Once he made the phone call, boom, that was, that was it. Jesus. 
So, yeah, so these guys became very, very, very successful. And Luigi, as a result, <coughs> his reputation in the, um, you know, in that, in the mafia and in that, that area, Nicobacar Avenue, grew. He was now, you know, a well-respected guy. They could trust him. Um, and he starts making connections with, um, you know, with other, the there were other, the Bananos, again, much to the to the uh, to put the idea that the mafia doesn't do drugs aside is that they were they had had a a kind of a, a, a un, not written unwritten but a kind of a, a contract with the Gambino family which who was centered in another part of Brooklyn <coughs> the drugs that were coming in according to the French Connection and then later on once the French Connection got sent down it kind of dried up but before that. They would the drugs would come into into Nicobacar Avenue and and Luigi and his and his guys would drive it to the Gambino family. They drop it off and that was one of the things he was doing. <laughs> so we got to know the Gambino some Gambino people. Um, so I think I'll, I'll tell you this story and then probably we're getting close to to the end. So here's here's one of the ones the story that I will that kind of has stuck in my mind that will be there the day that they close the box on my coffin. Um, I say to him, tell me about, you know, other murders you did in New York. Cause I knew the one he essentially, I should go back. He was in my office because his career, so to speak, took a very bad turn. And uh, he knew that if he didn't, give himself up that he was going to be killed. And that's for another one of your sessions. We'll talk about that. So he, he went first to, um, to the FBI. He, he left, he, he got arrested in Queens for uh, a robbery, went to jail. While he was in jail, he asked one of his, one of the guys who had, he had been doing work for this international criminal to put up the bail money, $500. That's all it was. The guy told him no, <laughs> because Luigi had turned him down for a very high, a very involved hit that he wanted him to do. And I'll explain that another time. So Luigi said to himself, he said, no, <coughs> this is not good for me. He's going to, uh, he's going to either get me in jail or I'm going to have to get on the witness stand and, and admit, you know, that I robbed uh, the, I did this robbery. And, and by the way, it was a woman that he robbed, which was, oh, my God, the worst crime that he could commit, he said, for a Sicilian. So he finally talks his brother-in-law into giving him the 500 bucks and he gets out of he gets out of jail and he he gives the wise guy who turned him down. A day or two to come up with thirty thousand dollars to pay him so he can get out of New York. Otherwise, he was going to give up the wise guy for all the stuff that the wise guy wanted him to do. He heard nothing about it. So he said, one day I walk into the ninth precinct in Manhattan and I say to the desk officer, I want to see the FBI. The FBI comes down. They realize who, we, who they have. They debrief him and they turn him over to the New York City Police Department <coughs> because he had an open homicide in Brooklyn, which is the case that I had. OK, so he was coming in to give himself up for that case. And, and I became his handler now because he was now going to open up and tell me everything that he knew. OK, so that's how he gets to me. So I say to him, listen, I got to know the other cases, other uh, homicides that you did. And um, in, in the United States, you tell me about. It. So he says, well, uh, you know, he's he said, oh, OK, I tell you, I tell you this one. And, and he tells me just the following story. There was a um, there was a uh, a guy in um, I guess he was in some part I forgot now the town of New Jersey and he was married and um, and his his wife was the sister of a police officer in the Newark New Jersey Police Department. This guy was a degenerate gambler. And um, he's always going to Atlantic City, always, he's just a bad, uh, just a, a, a and, not a, and not a good gambler either, but he had a great job. 
he had this a job. I forgot if he was a stockbroker or a real estate guy in Newark. So um, one of the things that he had set up was a weekly poker game with his friends, high stakes poker game. And, um, and how do we know these facts? I'll tell you that is that the Newark cop at some point comes to Brooklyn to see Luigi's boss on Knickerbocker Avenue, who they grew up, who grew up with him in Sicily. And he wants the Newark boss. He wants to hire the Newark boss for a particular job. And I'll tell you what that is in a second. Okay. So the cop tells him that about his brother-in-law. So the high stakes poker game. And, um, and the brother-in-law, as I said before, was a gambler, but not a great gambler. And, and he was, uh, he was losing money. And this particular night, the gambling up, the gamble, the game was at one of his buddy's houses and they were all friends. And, um, and things were going very well at the beginning of the night. And the guy felt, oh, maybe my luck is starting to change. But then as time went on, he was, um, he really was started to lose and lose, lose big time. So he had a hand that he thought was poker and he thought was going to be his salvation for the night. The pot was pretty big. He has, again, he's dying because of this, this great hand. And he doesn't have the money to put into the pot to keep himself alive to win what he expects to do when the cards are all shown, right? So in in lieu of the money, he puts his wife up as the state. Christ. The sister of the newer cop. And <laughs> he loses. And the deal was that he had to take the other guys at the table back to his house that night and they all had turns raping his wife. So <laughs> the next day, the wife is hysterical and calls her brother, the newer cop. So it did all happen that night. Oh, it did. It did. It happened. It happened. He said to his wife, essentially, if you don't do it, they're going to kill me. And all of these guys, there were like three of them, I think, right there, <clears throat> all night, by the way. They all left in the morning. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so um, she calls her brother. He, of course, is furious. First thing he thinks of is, I want to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he's a cop. And uh, he can't do it without jeopardizing his job. So what does he think of? He thinks of his old buddy back in Brooklyn, Luigi the mob boss. And he comes to, comes to Brooklyn. And he sits down with this guy. It's a beautiful afternoon, sits on the outside the social club and tells his buddy this, this story. And the guy, his, the buddy, the mobster in Brooklyn says to him, no, don't have to say no more. He says, I will take care of this. He said, of course, you can't do anything because of who you are. You can't. I, I asked him, I asked Luigi, why didn't he go to some mobster in in, in uh, Jersey? You know, guy was a cop. He probably knew someone in Jersey. Luigi said, no, no, no. It was, it, it was too close. And he didn't trust. The cop didn't trust the wise guys, the De Cavalcanti family, which was the basis they were the model for the for the Sopranos, by the way. They didn't trust them because he thought that they were um, that they were that they were too many rats and that they were they were just not careful and that if he went to them, once they got caught, which he felt it was inevitable that they would get caught in one of their scams, they would give up the newer cop to buy themselves out of a out of their an arrest, right? So he thought of his old friend in Brooklyn, came to Brooklyn. So the old friend reaches out to um, to Luigi and tells him this whole story. Now, Luigi said to me, Mike, you understand that, uh, that I no kill anyone. He said, I no kill anyone. The people who hire me to do this, 
They're the ones who kill his people. And this guy, the son of a bitch, is a lowlife. He deserves to die anyway. It was a, it was a, an honor kill for me. That's how his, that's what his thought was. So he always said that anybody who he killed deserved to be killed. That was his, that was his mantra, you know? <laughs> so I don't even know if he's wrong in this instance. Well, in this case, no. So, so what did so I say to him? So what'd you do? He says, so I know nothing about New Jersey. I find out where this guy lives. And for days, he, he stalks him. He surveils him. He got to his house early in the morning and saw when he would leave for work. What time? He followed him into Newark and knew where his, his job was. In fact, he thought that, that on the weekend, this guy did work in his big office building in Newark. And Luigi said to me, I think that, you know, on the weekend I go, uh, there's not many people downtown, you know, in places. So I figured it's empty. I do them there. But he followed him one Saturday to Newark and he said, no, no, too many people. There was more people than I thought. He didn't realize Newark's a big city. You know, there were people all around. So he said, no, it was no good. So he, he, um, he finally um, figured out that the best place to do it was going to be at his house, at the guy's house. He said, I know he leaves for work, sometime very early. Sometime, you know, go right to work. He goes to, you know, to the gym. Sometime he go to have a, a breakfast. I know he leave, he leave early. So I, I, I figured that's what I'm going to do. I said, well, what'd you do next? He said, well, I have to figure out how do I get out of there? Because that was one of the things I mentioned to you before with the, with the hit in Brooklyn. He had stalked the guy, but he had, a, he had a plan as to how to get out of the area and how to get out of Brooklyn. So, uh, you know, the heat would, would, uh, would, would go, you know, would, would kind of calm and, and get lighter. And, and he figured out that one of the places that he would go would be Atlantic City, which at the time didn't have gambling. But it was a place where they had a lot of hotels, a lot of people, et cetera. So that's what he did after the Brooklyn hit. He went to Atlantic City after getting rid of the gun. <clears throat> um, so he figures, I got to figure out now how I get from this guy's house to the, to the highway to get to Atlantic City, because that's what I'm going to do. And he scoped out, he mapped himself out a, a plan, how he was going to go, how he was going to get on the highway, which way you know he had to go, and then what he was going to do when he got to Atlantic City. So I said, so what happened? So I get to his house thinking that you know, he'd be out to go to work. It was a Friday, I think it was. I think it was a Friday. And you got to picture the street, suburban street. He said, next to me were, um, were, were kind of brush, uh, like uh, trees, woods, not, not a lot, but a place where I could park my car without anybody, any of the nosy neighbors saying that, you know, there's someone parked on the street because he was worried about the cops being notified by somebody in the neighborhood that there was a guy you know, sitting in a car out there. <clears throat> he said, no, I was okay. So I'm across. I, I said, so where were you? He said, well, the house is on that side of the street. I'm across the street and I wait. And here, sure enough, it was like seven, six o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning. But Mike, he no come out to go to work. He said, he come out with fishing rods. He's all dressed with his to go fishing. He apparently was one of his, this guy's days off. He was going to take off and go down down to wherever to go fishing. Luigi, so I say to Luigi, so what'd you do? So I wait for him to put the fishing equipment in, in the trunk. And as he's doing that, I come around my car and from across the street, I take out my pistol, boom, and I shoot him. I get him right in the head. I said, are you kidding me? One shot? You got him in there? He says, I'm a good shot. He says, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good. He says, I get my business. right in the head. And he, that's it. So what'd you do next? Get in my car. <clears throat> I take the, uh, the get on the Jersey Turnpike, the Jersey Turnpike down to the Garden State Parkway. I'm in Atlantic City. I spend whatever it was, four or five days in Atlantic City and then come back, make my way back to Brooklyn. How much did you get for it? He said, I do it as a favor for Mr. I forgot the guy's name in Brooklyn. He said, so he give me, he give me the, he, he tell me to come and, and, and <clears throat> the, the newer cop, came the day that he paid him because he had to bring the, uh, bring the money. He got, he only, he got $4,000 for doing that. But, but what it did was it now enhanced his reputation to sure. the point where 
Luigi was the guy. He not only was reliable, but he was also good he at, also, at what he did. Yeah, yeah. He, he had all of this. So I <clears throat> almost couldn't, I, I couldn't believe the story that the guy would put. So I said to him, I said, do you, where, what's the guy's name? He said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't ask no names. Not important to me. Um, so there was no way for me to find this thing other than there was one of the guys did find some, I think it was the same guy, but we have no idea because we don't know what neighborhood it was. We don't know the town of a, a guy who was killed on his way out of his house one morning. So I know that he did it. There's no question about it, that he did it. But, um, but that was, that kind of cemented for me, the idea that this was, this guy was, was the real thing. I mean, that was um, an unbelievable. <laughs> I almighty. That's. So that might have took that might I think that might take the cake. I think you might I think you might have topped topped past darkness that we've discussed. Oh yeah. Yeah, this was just... uh yeah. So so that was uh that was it. And keep in mind, you know, I think I mentioned this to you the last time. Luigi's telling me all of these stories. I spent days, hours, weeks with this guy. Yeah. And um, you know, he was always happy to talk to me because I gave him the the veal parmesan hero and a, and a can of beer and he was um and he became he there's a lot more of course and yeah. um and and we'll get into them over the next several times i'm on but um but i i, I had to leave you with that newer cop story because to me that Jeez. was um Jeez. that was unbelievable that was, that's that's fucked yeah yeah that's fucked. yep yep yeah well, so um well like I told you beforehand, I, I got to cut this one rather abruptly. Uh, yeah, I got you. Um, but Mike Vecchione, as always, bringing the darkest sides of humanity to the pod. Not the Delta guys, not the CIA guys. It's Mike Vecchione. He really uh, you, you pulled the veil back on the, the demons of the world. But you can't shy away from it. You can't pretend it doesn't happen. And I got I got more, Tommy. I know you do. That's that's why you're. That's why I keep having okay. you back because I know you're full. Um, Don't forget, homicide is my business. I know. I know. October seventeenth. October seventeenth. Yeah. I will. So yeah, I got to wrap this one up. I'll text you tonight when this episode's up. We'll schedule the next one. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you again, man. Thank you so much, Mike. It's, it's Thanks, always Tom. a pleasure. Much love, brother. Stay safe, Bye-bye. everybody.